We're going to continue our series called Revision, and we're going to talk about a heart of compassion. And uh, this is a, a, one of the things that kind of drives a lot of the ministry and things that we do. We do a lot of different outreaches in different areas through programs like Safe Haven and Not Us, but we do different outreaches in, in cities where we, we feed the poor and all of that. I know during the early days of coronavirus, we had teams that we were feeding in five, or, uh, I think it's five different cities, and in the matter of just a couple of weeks, it was over 28,000 meals uh, that went out from the, the church here and went into places and were meeting those needs. And, and even we've kind of continued those on. We still feed in Mount Hope on Fridays and see about 75 to 100 people come through there. We still feed widows throughout the week. And, 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 and I think it's very important. This is something that in, in this day and age, a heart of compassion is something that, that we desperately need within the church. And, and even even when you look at Jesus's ministry, this was one of the things that drove Jesus into action. We see several times in the Gospels, I'm going to show you a couple places where it talks about Jesus being moved with compassion. One of those is Matthew chapter 20, verse 34. It says this, it says, he was moved with compassion and Jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and he followed them. And, and so there were some blind people that were there and, and he didn't just see them in their need and, and feel sorry for them, but there was something inside of him that moved him into action. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, you see, uh, it says that when he went ashore, there was a large crowd there, and he felt compassion upon them, and he began to heal their sick. And one of the things that you will see with Jesus many times throughout scripture, you see that phrase that he was moved with compassion. He saw people and they looked like sheep without a shepherd and, and so it stirred him. Even days when he was having a bad day, there was this one day when he had just found out that his cousin John the Baptist had been beheaded and it said that Jesus wanted to seclude himself and he was going to a, a place where he could just pray and, and spend some some time uh, with his father and everything. And it says that as he was going along the way, he saw a crowd of people who were sick. And he stopped and he detoured his plans to begin to minister to those people. Compassion is something that, that begins to drive, it should drive us into action. If you even look in the Greek, the, the word for compassion is splognizomai. There, there's a couple different words for that. Splaghon is one of them. And, and I would, I normally tell people when you say splaghon, you got to kind of dig in the back of your throat. And if you don't spit a loogie in somebody's face, you didn't say it right. But, but in Corona Day virus, I don't encourage you to turn to your neighbor and, 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 get, and, and try to pronounce Blaghan correctly. Uh, but, but that word literally means from the innermost parts or literally can be translated from the bowels. And many of you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taking Greek classes now and in our Greek, this, this word came up and, and we were talking with the, the teacher and she actually is Greek and, and, and she was like, you know, the, the, from the bowels and, and everything, it's not a, a great, like it, it's not a real word for word and she was trying to translate from Greek into English kind of what it truly means and she said, it's not like, it's not even just from the bowels, it's like from, and it's not just because some people People will say it's from the spleen or, or things that, you know, it's, it's, it's not all of that because the first part of that is where we get the, the word for spleen and everything. It's like, there's so much more. She's like, the only way that I can explain this is like 
everything that is inside of you moves. Like not, not, not just one part of you, but like everything from the, the core of who you are begins to, begins to move. You know, in, in Connect class, I haven't taught the Connect class in a while. Uh, Pastor Aaron normally teaches this message, but one of the things that I used to teach in Connect class when we would talk about that, about the word for uh, compassion, literally being meaning from the bowels is the fact that, that sometimes your bowels don't flow as freely as they used to, and you can become a little bit constipated. You know, the older you get, things don't, flow quite as freely and you got to have some help. You got to eat a little fiber. You got to eat a little, drink a little Metamucil or, or something like that to kind of get things rolling again. And I really feel like in the world today that this is where the church is. is that there's some things that have kind of been clogged up inside of us that, that we used to, a lot of churches were out in the community and they were serving and they were doing things to, to reach people and everything. And then coronavirus hit and then, it, it, and, and, and then you had issues with racial tensions and, and then political issues and and all of those things have just begun to clog things up a little bit to where that compassion and that love isn't flowing quite as much. You think about this, a baby, when you have a baby, like you're changing like 50 diapers a day when they're first born. That baby literally will eat and, 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 and then like within two minutes, that diaper is full. It's like it just goes straight through them, you know, and, 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 and it is, ends up in the diaper. And, and, and then as you get older in life, that, that slows down a little bit as you go. And I think it's the same way in our spiritual walk with God. When we're new believers, man, we're ready to serve God and, and just do anything, you know, and, and, and we're telling everybody about Jesus and we're inviting everybody to church and we're at every outreach, we're at every church service, every opportunity that we possibly can be to, to get something poured into us or to give something out to other people, we are there. And then we become mature Christians, and we know the word a little bit, and we begin to, things get clogged up just a little bit. And we don't have that urgency. We don't have that motivation to see people. And a lot of times we even become religious and pious about our, how holy we are. And, and versus seeing people and seeing them in their need and, and in their sin and having a heart of compassion to want to reach them, we kind of begin to look down upon them and judge them. And if we're not careful, we'll be exactly like the Pharisees. You remember the story where Jesus said that there was a, two men that were at, all, at the altar and one of them was a Pharisee and, and he's sitting there praying. He's like, God, I thank you that I'm not like all these other sinners and wretched people. I thank you that I'm holy and that you've saved me and that I can quote the Bible now and that I'm spiritually mature and all of those things. And then you've got this man who, says he couldn't even lift his head and he's beating his chest and he said, I'm not even worthy to look up at you, God. It's amazing how the more spiritually mature we become, the less dependent on the Father we become. 
And the more clogged up that compassion begins to flow. And see, here's the thing. All this stuff didn't catch Jesus by surprise. In fact, Jesus even prophesied in Matthew chapter 24. We've been looking at this because I think it's very important. We have to understand this, guys. All the things that we're seeing in the world, it did not catch Jesus by surprise. Jesus prophesied every single one of these things. And the majority of them, you can begin to see. We talked about how it says that ethnos will raise up against ethnos. Race will raise up against race, nation against nation. The love of many will grow cold. All these different things. We've looked at this over the past few weeks. And in Matthew 24, verse 12, it says, but lawlessness will increase. Come on, how many of you see more lawlessness? There's more crazy out there. Every time you turn on the TV, there's more riots. There's more statues pulled down. There's more hate. There's, I mean, you can't even flip through your phone on Facebook or, or Instagram or anything like that anymore without being bombarded with all this craziness that's going on in the world. But it says the love of many, most people's love will grow cold. Most people's compassion, most people will become spiritually constipated. Compassion constipated because they see all the lawlessness that's going on and they want to use it as an excuse not to reach those people anymore. Because we begin to view those people as our enemies. And, and when you look at everything and you see the radical extremism that's going on politically and, and, and all the different things that are going on around our country, and, and, and it's no wonder that as we begin to see that and we begin to feel like our religious freedoms are being persecuted or, or that we're, we're being attacked for who we are, the natural response is to want to fight back. The natural response is to want to engage, but the spiritual response that Jesus told us is that we are supposed to love them. We see people acting violently and destructive, but it doesn't give us the right to allow our love to grow cold. We have to pray and begin to get back to the place when we see Someone stuck in a life of sin or someone who, who is lost, acting lost. Can I, can, look, it, it, is, it is understandable that someone who does not know Jesus will act like a lost person to do crazy stuff. It is not understandable for someone who does know Jesus to act crazy and hateful and do crazy stuff. So when I see the world in the condition that it is, that's the world. That's the fruit of ungodliness. That's the fruit of the rejection of the word of God. But when I see the church being hateful and fighting among each other, that breaks my heart because that is not the fruit of the spirit. And that is not who God has called us to be. God has called us to be men and women of love. In fact, he said they will know you're Christians by your love. But everybody looks at us and we've fallen victim to what used to be us, even within the house of God, what used to be us is now us versus them. Masks versus no masks. White church versus black church. Conservative Republicans versus moderate Republicans. Us versus them. And inside the own body of Christ, 
We see divisions being out. And we begin to look at people who we used to call brothers and sisters and serve together their lost community and worship together and sing praises to our God. Now we begin to look at them as our enemy simply because they don't believe the same things that we believe. Guys, we got to realize this is a spiritual battle. And spiritual battles are not fought with physical ideas or philosophies or anything like that. They are fought with spiritual weapons. And it's time that we begin to fight our battles correctly because we've got to unclog this spiritual constipation that's going on in our lives. It's time that we begin to allow God to do a Holy Ghost enema in our life and begin to loosen some things up and get the love and compassion flowing in the direction that it needs to be again. It's time that we begin to live according to God's word. Jesus is very clear for even people that we see enemies, how we're supposed to respond to people that we see as enemies. Should we see as people as enemies? No, we, we should see them as, as people who are lost, people who are hurting. We should see their need for a savior. But if we're in the position where now we have painted people, as we believe the lie that everybody is an enemy who doesn't believe the same thing as us, even if you're in that position where you have all these enemies, Jesus said in Matthew chapter four or chapter five, verse 43, you have heard it said that you're supposed to love your neighbor and hurt your enemy, but I say to you, you need to love your enemies and you need to pray for those people who are persecuting you. Paul said in Romans chapter 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless them and do not curse. I'm telling you, if we can begin to implement these scriptures in our life, it's going to be like some spiritual metamucil today that's just going to get things heading in the right direction again. And allowing the love of God to go, listen, we've got to get back on our, our course. We've got to get back to vision of who God has called us to be. Not, not who iHeart Church has called us to be. God has called us to be the light of the world. And if we're hiding our light because we're not shining it into the communities because we're mad or we're offended or People see differently than us, so we don't see the need to serve them if we've allowed our, our love to grow cold. <clears throat> and it's no wonder so many people don't believe in God today because they're not seeing him represented by the people who are supposed to represent him. Jesus said in John 13, as he's with his, the Last Supper, he had just washed his disciples' feet and told them, the things that you've seen me do, the way you saw me serve, I want you to go serve the way that you just saw me serve. Because no master, no servant is greater than their master. And then he goes on and he says, I'm going to give you a new commandment. This is the commandment that I'm going to give to you. You need to love one another even as I have loved you. That phrase, even as I have loved you, means to the same standard and condition the way that I have loved you. That's the way that you need to love people. How did Jesus love us? He loved us unconditionally. He loved us when we rejected him. He loved us when we uh, forgot about him. He loved us when we took him for granted. He loved us no matter what. God is telling us that we need to love each other. And the sad thing is, is that many times, even within the church now, we've painted enemies within the church based on these things. We don't even love those people who are supposed to be of the same spirit and same family as us. And if we're just going to fight among each other inside the four walls, 
because we have differences of opinion, then we're no different than the people who are fighting in politics. We're no different than the people who are fighting on social media and anything like that. People are going to see the same uh, anger and resentment and all of those things inside of us, and they're not going to recognize Jesus. Jesus said, they will know you are my disciples by the love that you show for one another. Do people know you're a disciple of Christ by the way that you love them, or do you have to even tell them that you're a Christian? Go back and look at your social media posts. Are you posting things that are showing love? Or are you posting things that are just fighting your enemy? And it's time that if we are going to fight a battle, we fight with spiritual weapons. When we see the craziness that goes on, we don't fight with with somebody who agrees with us in our point of view, but we begin to agree with God's point of view, and we post that, and we begin to call the church to act like the church, and to be the church, and to stop fighting among ourselves, and we begin to speak truth in darkness. The Bible says in John chapter 8 that they will know the truth, and the truth was set them free. Not that they would know your political ideas or your, your, your ideologies or anything like that. They will know the truth of God's word and it will set them free. If we are posting ideas more than the word, then we're trying to fight a spiritual battle with physical weapons. And honestly, if we look at it, how is that working for us? All it is is more anger, more frustration, more hatred, more division. We're playing in to what the enemy wants. I've read it three times in different devotions where Jesus, even in my kids' devotion and stuff, where Jesus is casting out demons. And they're saying, well, he's casting out demons by Beelzebub. And Jesus looks at them and he says, If Satan's kingdom is divided against Satan's kingdom, then how is Satan's kingdom going to stand? If the kingdom of God is divided against the kingdom of God, then how is the kingdom of God going to stand and these churches going to stand? If our nation continues to be divided among ourselves, then how is our nation going to stand? If you are patriotic, which I am patriotic, I I take the time to vote. I show up on the Capitol floor and I speak against things. I've showed up at city councils. I've I've led uh, things to try to get petitions signed, Uh, uh, all this stuff. I, 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 I don't hold back from preaching the word of God when it comes to political issues. I am as patriotic as they come. If you are patriotic, then we need to begin to look at ways to do what Jesus and and the word of God says, to pursue peace with all men. As far as it lies within you, you do everything that you possibly can. If you are at the altar and you realize that your brother is offended with you, leave your gift at the altar, go first be reconciled to that relationship and then come back and bring your, and, and worship God. I mean, throughout scripture, you see these things, but we've allowed all the negativity and things to make us mad and angry and, and hurt and wounded. And, and you know what? Hurt people, what do they do? They hurt people. And we've got to begin to pursue peace. And see, here's the thing. I believe that a lot of the reason why people are tuning in to church and things more now than ever is because they are so tired of negativity. They are done with it. 
They don't want to, I like, I haven't listened, I barely listen to the news at all. I listen to the news enough to know what's going on in the world, and then I turn it off because I don't, I, I can't, all it does is make me mad. I thank God that I'm not on social media because I would lose my mind. People are tired of the negativity. People have a sense of hopelessness. People, they're tired of seeing all the division. They, I think at the very heart of things, they want peace. They want things to be better. They may not know how to get it there, but the word of God tells us how to get it there. And the problem is, is that the people of God are not obeying the word of God. And we're not demonstrating love to people. We've stopped serving. We've stopped reaching out. I believe one of the reasons why the world is so hopeless is because we, we, we have the hope of the world. The church is the light of the world. The church is the hope of the world. And we have everything within us in Jesus that the world needs, and we're not sharing it. And I believe there's two reasons why this happens. One of them is because we're distracted with battles that have led us to become compassionately constipated and the love's not flowing, so we've been fighting Democrats, or we've been fighting for our rights on masks, or we've been fighting for all these different things and been so distracted with all these other battles that we've forgotten the spiritual battle. We've gotten off course where we're not in the communities demonstrating love and serving So the reason why the world seems like it's so hopeless and so much hate and stuff in the world is because those people who bring the hope and those people who have the love of Jesus in our heart are not out there doing what God's called us to do. We've become distracted. And I am encouraging you, put down your physical weapons and stop fighting against those people that you view as your enemy and pick up your spiritual weapons and begin to fight the true enemy. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of darkness. And I think the second reason that we have gone away from things is because many people, they served in the church, maybe they served in children's or they served in greeters or they served in an area, and now that area is closed down. And so they feel like they're lost. They don't know where they're supposed to serve. Well, wait a minute, I served in the nursery and we, we can't have nursery right now. I used to serve in first through fifth and we're unable to have that right now. I, I used to be the greeter and, and shake people's hands when they come in. Now we can't touch people anymore. We gotta stand back and just smile and wave, guys, smile and wave. But just because children's ministry is closed doesn't mean you have to stop serving. 
You can find elderly people in your neighborhood, and you can find ways to begin to serve people in your neighborhood. You can take kids in your neighborhood, and you can bring them over because we have the I Heart Church stuff on the app and on the website and everything. You can bring kids into your front yard, plug a TV out, bring it out there where they can see it, and you can have kids' church right there in your house. You don't even have to have like a big church-wide VBS. You can have your own neighborhood VBS just by showing some of the curriculum that we've been teaching. There are ways to continue to serve without it being formatted and designed by the church. The other way you can do it is some of you are unable to come because of the size of the, the group of people that are in here because you've got children and, and we don't have children's ministry open. Get together with a couple families that you're spending time with anyway and then rotate the parent that is back there with the kids putting on the children's ministry and you rotate through children's ministry and the rest of you worship and then the next week switch out and you can still have church, you can still have children's ministry, you can still serve and have purpose in your life. We cannot believe the lie that if we can't have church inside these four walls to the same way that we have always done it, that we can't have church and we can't be the church. In Acts chapter two, they met together in homes. They prayed together in homes. They ate together in homes. They spent time together in homes. They met the needs of the people that were in their own community. And at the beginning of the year, we talked about the outreach that we're going to do as a church. And we had over 200 people sign up. And we divided it into 10 cities and 10 areas. And we planned out outreaches and everything to go do these things in different cities. We had monthly outreaches in all the 10 cities and for going on every single month. And when COVID hit, everything stopped. But it's time to re-engage. It's time to read. If, if we have 200 people that signed up for outreach, we should still have 200 people that feel called to outreach plus children's ministry who can't operate in children's ministry. So now they want to be a part of outreach because they want to do something for the kingdom of God because they realize that just sitting back and feeling bad about how things used to be and wishing that that would come back around is not a way that's going to build the kingdom of God. That's why we've continued our outreaches feeding. That's why we've continued to do things. And I'll be honest, it's many times it's been two or three people who show up at the outreaches to be able to do these things. Some of you may be like, well, I didn't know we were doing that. Listen, we have a serve app. If you go on the, the, the uh, Google Play or uh, uh, the app store, you can find the, in, and search for a serve team app, you can find that and then type in iHeartChurch. Every outreach that we have planned is there. But can I tell you something? It doesn't have to be a church outreach that we have planned for you to do outreach. And I'll, I'll even tell you this. If you were one of those people in those 10 cities, or even if you weren't one of those people in the 10 cities and you want to do outreach, you come talk to me about what outreach you want to do, and I'll write the check so that you can do the outreach you want to do. Why? Because we cannot stay inside these four walls. We've been trying to reach out to people and minister to people that we know are hurting. One of the things that we've done is we've taken gift cards to all the state troopers and all the Raleigh County Sheriff's deputies that are in this area. I think it was about 89 Outback gift cards that we took and gave to all of these people who are law enforcement and serving and protecting in the streets and just wrote them a card of encouragement, letting them know, hey, we're praying for you. We thank you for your service and what you're doing for the community. We've been getting cards and things in 
saying thank you so much. This, this means so much to me that, that you guys would think of us and that you would do this for us. Why? Because we saw people who were hurting and being painted as the bad guys over everything, and we realized that there are a whole lot of good guys that are in that group of people, and we wanted to let them know not everybody is against you. We love you, and we're praying for you because we realize that you are God's servants, and we want to be behind you and support you right where you are. if we look around, this is probably one of the darkest times of most of our lives. And I think another thing besides being distracted that's kind of got us off course is, is fear. But we got to remember what the Bible says about fear. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, Paul is writing to Timothy at a time when the people in the church are fearful. And they have every right to be fearful. Because it's not just like, the government trying to tell them they can't have church service or they can't sing or they have to wear a mask when they go to church or they have to limit their numbers or that type of thing. This is, the government is killing the Christians, okay? Nero was a crazy emperor and he is killing them. He is dipping them in wax, hanging them in the street and lighting their hair on fire to use them as candles to light the, the pathways. He is taking uh, animal carcasses and emptying out the animal carcass, throwing Christians in there and throwing them to lions so that people can watch that and be entertained by that. I can tell you this, we have not faced persecution like the church has faced persecution before. And by the way, the church thrived and grew and continued to go on even in dark, those dark days. But Timothy was leading the church in Ephesus and he was becoming afraid. And Paul wrote to him and he said, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity. God hasn't given you a spirit of intimidation. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. But he gave you power. That word for power is dunamis. That's the, that's the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. I think about this, if the enemy is trying to build up walls of division, then if we walk in the power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit, we can just blow up every wall that he tries to divide us with by being out there and walking in the love that God has called us to and the discipline. And we don't like discipline. That doesn't sound fun. But the discipline is something that is extremely important in the day and time that we live in now. You cannot just go week to week with what I feed you. You have to have a daily discipline because here's the thing, all the negativity is still flowing in. And if you're not combating it with the word of God, if you're not combating it with moments in the presence of God, if you're not combating it with moments on your face before God in prayer, then you're gonna walk in the church defeated and limping and hopeless. And we're the ones who are supposed to bring the hope. Guys, if you are not in the word daily, get in the word daily. I can tell you this, I listen to the word of God and things more now than ever before. And I don't just read the Bible. Like I have AirPods, I put them in my ear, I put my Bible on you version, and I begin to have the word of God read over me because I may not fully be attentive to it, but it's sinking in my spirit and, and beginning to give God something to work with in my life. And then I've listened to Christian books or sermons or whatever. I'm doing more now than ever to try to feed my spirit. Why? Because there's more negativity 
than ever that's trying to drain my spirit. And so I've got to work a little bit harder, dig a little bit deeper, be a little more disciplined to make sure that more is coming in than what is going out. That I keep that river flowing well. But I think it's very interesting, and keys, you guys can come on up. I think it's very interesting that the verse before Paul tells Timothy that I didn't give you that spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of discipline. In verse six, he said, for this reason I am reminding you to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. See, Timothy had allowed fear to begin to allow the gift of God to lay dormant. And I believe that a lot of the reason why the church is where we are today And a lot of the reason why we got things that are clogged up and the love isn't flowing out and all of those things is we have allowed fear to keep the gift of God dormant in our life. Why do people feel like they have to fight a political battle? Because they're afraid if certain people make it into office, what it would mean for us religious freedom-wise. So the fear makes them want to fight. Why do people feel like they have to fight a mask mandate? Because the fear that they have in their heart is that if they tell me I have to wear a mask in church, that the next thing, because the California crazies do it, is they're gonna tell me that I can't sing in church And then they're going to tell me I can't meet in my home in church. And then they're going to tell me I can't even meet in church. And I'm going to lose every religious freedom that I possibly have. So I can't honor and obey the authority because the authority is going to attack me and come against me and I'm fighting them. And so the gift, instead of the gift of love and the gift of compassion and the gift of servanthood and the spiritual gifts that are inside of us being poured out. Now it's lying dormant because I'm busy fighting this fight. Can I just speak to that just for a second? All around the world, there are countries where they are told that they cannot meet together. And you know what they do? They meet in homes. They meet in the back doors of businesses. They meet in tunnels. They meet wherever. Why? Because God told them not to forsake the assembling together of the brethren. So they're going to come together and they're going to continue to meet and study the word of God. And so they do it. It doesn't look like this, but they do it. And I think one of the things is, listen, may persecution come against us to the degree of where they try to shut down churches and stuff. It is it is likely, maybe even probable. But if we identify this as church, when that happens, all of our gifts are lying dormant. If you are reliant on me for your food, then you're gonna starve. But if you start using the discipline that God gave you and you start using the love that God gave you and you start having the sound mind that God gave you, then no matter what, 
they try to take. If they take my Bible, the only way that they're going to get the Word of God out of me is to erase my mind. Why? Because I have taken the time to get the Word of God in me to where the Word of God's going to come out of me no matter what. I don't have to have a paper Bible or the Version app or be in a congregation full of people to be full of the Word of God. They put John on the Isle of Patmos to try to shut him up and he wrote the book of Revelation. You can't stop the Word of God from going forth. That's why in Iran, it's the fastest growing church in the world today and they have no religious freedom and they could be killed for being Christians and everything, yet the church is thriving and prostitutes and drug addicts and, and, and all of these people are encountering the love of Jesus like never before and they're having a far greater revival than anything we've seen in the United States because it's not about the building. I have said this for years. I have quoted this for years. I have told you for years. Get the word of God in your heart. Get the word of God in your heart. Get the word of God in your heart. Get in the word. Get in the presence of God. Learn to pray. Learn to study the word of God for yourself because when persecution comes, Jesus said, I would deliver you to persecution. But when persecution comes, you have everything inside of you to be able to make it because you have the word of God inside of you. You have the spirit of God inside of you. You can encounter the presence of God in a prison cell. You can encounter the presence of God in a prison camp. It doesn't matter where you are. When you take the time to discipline yourself to become the men and women of God that God has called us to be, if they shut down the doors of our church, We'll meet in our homes. If they knock on the doors and they arrest us in our homes, we'll meet in prison. You cannot stop. That's why Paul and Silas in the prison cell, they worshiped God and God delivered them out of it. Peter was in prison and God sent an angel and brought them out. Stop being afraid of the unknown. Trust in our Lord and our God because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The heart of the king is in the hand of God and he is able to turn it whichever way that he wants. If we would just be the body Body of Christ and begin to live out the Word of God, we will see re- victory. We will see revival, whether it's in the doors of this church or the streets or our homes or in the prisons. I dare them to put me in prison because I will preach the gospel. I will reach every murderer, every pedophile, every rapist with the gospel of Jesus Christ and revival will go forth. What can man do to me I don't fear man but I fear God who can take my soul and throw it into hell that's not just for preachers Stephen served the widows food and he died a martyr's death he'll receive a martyr's crown in heaven we've got to realize we're not living for this life we're living for that one we've got to get an eternal perspective God wake us up to where we get an eternal perspective we've got to stop being distracted they can't stop the gospel the only way it stops is if you don't get it in here We 
we are just seeing the beginning of these things. And we can't be fearful. Because God has given us everything we need for life and for godliness. Unclog. Don't let fear. Don't let hatred. Don't let anger. Don't let bitterness clog up your bowels of compassion. Let it flow. Because the key to revival is not us getting a certain person in a political office. My hope is not in President Trump. My hope is not in any political figure that is out there. My hope is in Jesus. And he is the King of Kings. And he is the Lord of Lords. <clears throat> and I read this in Jeremiah today. And none of this stuff is in my notes. So this is all just laying you up now. Jeremiah 42. God told Jeremiah, if you will submit to the ungodly leadership, I'm gonna show you mercy. He said, you know how the mercy's gonna come? I'm gonna turn the heart of the king of Babylon toward you and he's gonna be kind towards you. But then he goes on and he says, but if you insist that you're not gonna do this and you try to run back to Egypt to escape this, then the famine and the war that you're afraid of, it's gonna overtake you and you're gonna die. That doesn't sound very hopeful, does it? But here's the thing, what was God telling Jeremiah? I've got control of that king's heart. The king of Babylon who took you ex in exile, the king of Babylon who has been oppressing you, I've got control of his heart. And if you'll just submit and do what's right, I'm gonna turn his heart. And you're gonna find mercy through the man who is bringing opposition to you. Think about Saul. Saul was killing the church. And God got a hold of his heart and turned it around the way he was building the church and gave down his life. Our God is more powerful than any political figure who is or was or ever will be. Let's put our faith in him and in his word. And let's obey the word of God and watch what he does.